I'm John Lewis, and you're listening to 360 Degree City, a podcast where we talk to people who are working to make cities better. Our hope is that after each episode, you'll start to see your own city from a slightly different angle. As I scroll through my Instagram feed, I often feel a sense of deja vu. Any day of the week, I see a smiling woman, center frame in front of a colorful mural. There's a couple striking a pose beside a newly designed building. I see a top-down view of an elaborate meal, and then another view of another meal. Lately, I've been seeing endless photos of Calgary's amazing new central library. What I see on Instagram is almost always positive, aesthetically pleasing, and celebratory. It's often also a bit repetitive. I don't see many dirty streets, dilapidated buildings, or frowning people. Have you ever wondered how these Instagram photos highlighting curated glimpses of people's lives affect our cities and how we think about these places? Do repeated posts about a new library, a pretty mural, or a tasty brunch have an impact on the form of our city? Researchers from the University of Amsterdam have started to explore the relationship between Instagram and the city. So I thought I'd track down one of those researchers to learn more. My name is John Boy, and I'm a sociologist. Uh, I work at the University of Amsterdam as a researcher. John teaches courses about urban studies, sociology, and digital society to undergrads and graduates in Leiden and Amsterdam. His research interests vary from studying the relationship between religion and cities to studying how digital media affects urban areas. I'm a a little eclectic sometimes, but uh, that's because specialization can get boring. In 2017, John Boy and his research partner, Eustace Outermark, published an academic paper called Reassembling the City Through Instagram. The goal of this research was to understand how people represent urban areas on social media, and then how these representations feed into people's uses of the city. Based on in-depth interviews and over 400,000 geotagged Instagram posts in Amsterdam, the researchers analyzed how the city is reassembled on and through Instagram. I wanted to talk to John about this research to learn more about this relationship between cities and social media. His research began with a goal to understand how local community relations are affected by digital media. John and his team thought they could find sites of local conflict by looking at how people use social media in their daily lives. So for example, if an Amsterdammer was annoyed by scooters or rapid gentrification in their neighborhood, John thought that these small grievances would be expressed on platforms like Instagram. So we started collecting data, um, yeah, really with the idea that we could learn something about conflict. Hmm. Um, recently, I told the story to somebody at a conference, and she, she looked at me and said, well, that was awfully naive of you, wasn't it? That you would <laughs> expect to find conflict on Instagram? And I, and I thought, well, gee, thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess in a, certain, in a way it was because, yeah, as it turned out, when we started looking at the data that we were collecting, we weren't, weren't really finding any of this conflict that we were looking for. And instead, what we found was people doing what I guess everybody already knew people do on Instagram, which is celebrate the moments of their lives. You know, the, the moments when they're having coffee, the moments when they're finding pretty things, when they're hanging out with friends, a lot of positivity, very little negativity, in fact, very little uh, express, expression of grievances. So we started uh, kind of taking that as our puzzle. You know, why is it that people have this seemingly unfettered uh, means of expressing themselves on on a platform like Instagram? And, uh, and rather than kind of broadly expressing all sorts of um, attitudes or, or, or um, responses to their environment, there seems to be almost a a degree of conformity to how people express themselves. And, you know, you can think about 
what now we know as the the satires that are made of Instagram, mm. you know, all the time around, you know, the selfies and the, the avocado toast and so on. Yeah. Why is it that that we that, that these things are so standardized, this high degree of conformity and how people are representing their their urban environments in which they are um, representing what's around them. And um, yeah, and that's how we how we ended up really studying social media per se, rather than use social media data to reflect something else, which I think oftentimes it's very tempting as social scientists to say, oh, we have all these digital traces, as they're now often called, that people leave on platforms through transactions uh, online and so on, and to take those as reflections or as proxies for something else. But what we found we had to do, first of all, is to really kind of study social media on as, uh, as such uh, to understand what it is that people actually do there rather than just confine that to the to the platform and how individuals interact with uh, with their devices we really were interested in how it kind of fits into everyday life and into kind of the urban ecology if you will mm-hmm. so that's uh, yeah that's how our that's how our research developed so coming from the naive idea that we could find <laughs> some learn something about conflict to to figuring that we we have to understand social media within everyday everyday urban life yeah and that's, that's right uh, that's no, that's that's uh, that's that's interesting, and in, 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 in and I think it, inter- an interesting reflection of um, you know looking starting with the the idea of conflict and then using Instagram and finding that it didn't necessarily exist there, which is uh, you know in our shop we've we've talked about this a lot recently that um, you know e- even our company posts are we have a lot more going on on Instagram because we want to engage less and less with the cesspool that is Twitter <laughs> because yeah, exactly. we want to, uh, you know, we try to have a positive view of the world. So that's, uh, that's interesting that your, your trajectory kind of took you that way. So you, you studied um, the impact or, or how Instagram users uh, navigated uh, Amsterdam. Uh, what, what kind of posts did you see received uh, the most attention? Um let me think. So I, uh, we've studied this kind of at different scales, at different points in time, and um, things have things have changed over time. So it's it's uh, it's mm. hard to give a, a straightforward answer. I would I could say that there's broadly kind of four types of posts that are kind of embedded in the urban environments that that are that are that tend to do well, that that tend to be popular, and they tend to do well in slightly different. Uh, to do slightly different audiences. So there's the there's the look at me, I'm an Amsterdam post, <laughs> which uh, uh, unsurprisingly tends to do well, especially with people that have international followings. followings. So think um, international students that are here for a study abroad for half a year or a year. Think about expats that live here, immigrants that live here, um, other immigrants that live here. Um, and they they often will take pictures in front of, for, for instance, the iconic uh, Rijksmuseum on the um, on the museum square, which which right next to it has this big sculpture that spells I Amsterdam. You might have you might have mm-hmm. seen it um, literally writing on the city, <laughs> the, the message. And uh, so not not very subtle. And if you take your picture there, then you very clearly transport the message that you're yeah that you're uh, a world traveler that you're spending time in this um in this famous city and other other kinds of architectural highlights 
those kinds of things tend to do well. People on bridges around the canals, people in front of the Eiffel Museum, which has a very distinct um, distinct architecture and so on. So that's one type. Mm-hmm. Another type is um, anything having to do with the body, really. So um, a lot of selfies, oftentimes taken at gyms, tattoo parlors, where we're really, you know, working on your body and expressing yourself through your body is, is very much at the center. Mm-hmm. Those those also tend to do well. And it, and it is true, of course, that the more skin you show, the more likes you get. Um, <laughs> that is definitely true. Um, then there's the um, then there's the nightlife, which uh, is really accounts for a huge proportion of, of Instagram activity in the city, as far as we can tell. Just the the uh, a handful of clubs around the Rembrandt uh, Square area in the center of Amsterdam. I think probably a good twenty percent or so of Instagram posts um, on on a given day. Of, are, are produced mm. there or in, in other kinds of music venues and clubs and so on. So the nightlife is very, um, very productive and also very, again, very popular. And the, the other is everything having to do with kind of upscale consumption um, and refined lifestyles. So think about um, people having brunch at uh, one of the four-star hotels in the center. People going shopping on one of the one of the nicer shopping streets. Um, sometimes they'll picture themselves in groups or by themselves. So again, some selfies, but it's, it's, it's very much, yeah, almost, almost what, uh, Thorsten, what Beblin called conspicuous consumption. So right. showing displaying your status through the kinds of things that you're, that you're able to consume or the kinds of le- leisure activities that you're able to engage in. So those are, those are kind of bro- broadly four types that we can, we can easily distinguish and they each have their own kind of geography within the city, which, which is of course quite interesting from a, from an urban studies perspective. Right. And, and, and the, the paper that I saw of yours has a really interesting um, heat map almost of, of those tags and those posts, which uh, we will put a, we'll put a link to that on our, on the podcast show notes so people can have a look at that. It's it's fascinating to, uh, to see. Um, So with, with the, um, you know, those are those are the highlights and the, the, the top themes. What are the things that uh, you think it's important to recognize uh, who and what doesn't get represented uh, in those in those posts? Yeah, that's a that's a really um, that's a really crucial question and, and one that really also animates our research. Um, sometimes I, I can't help but feel like it's a little bit frivolous. I mean, I do spend a lot of time looking at Instagram posts at my desk <laughs> in my in my open open office there um, i do have people think that i that i probably never do any work because i'm constantly looking at instagram posts but it's um, but it's uh, yeah there's something there's some really serious concerns i think that animate it and one of those is yeah really uh, you know in that heat map what what areas glow the glow the hottest and which ones basically have have almost zero exposure and mm-hmm. are um are therefore, I mean, not that I want to assign too much causal efficacy to uh, to Instagram, but Instagram in concert with with uh, official city branding campaigns, other ways that the city is represented, um, has has very strong uh, effects in terms of highlighting certain areas and certain groups, and others less so. So one one thing that we that we um, that we can already say also from the heat map very clearly is that the center of of the city. Uh, it gets represented disproportionately more. That's, of mm. course, where um, the iconic landsca- uh, landmarks are. That's where opportunities for upscale consumption usually are. That's where um, um, that's where a lot of the nightlife takes place. So that's 
that's a big part of the reason. Um, gyms and yoga studios and so on, they tend to be a little bit more dispersed. Then um, outside of the center, there are higher status neighborhoods tend to tend to be represented a lot more. And um, again, it's kind of about the geography of where uh, opportunities for consumption exist and so on. Uh, but even if you look at a single street, like uh, I live close by the, the Yafa Strat uh, in, the, in the Indonesian quarter, and uh, we focused in on that several times just because it's a street that has a lot of turnover. And what you, what you can really see there is how boutique establishments that are really kind of part and parcel of gentrification processes in cities all over the world, they, um, they do very well on Instagram. And they are, mm. they're all tagged by people that are in that kind of refined lifestyles cluster of, of people. So folks that are, that are into brunch and coffee and, and, uh, and, and those kinds of things. And on that same street, uh, you have what, are, what in Amsterdam are called brown bars, so kind of working class uh, pubs. You have um, green grocers uh, and other uh, establishments that have been there longer that don't have that boutique signature, and they are completely, basically invisible. They might have been tagged once or twice in the entire <laughs> existence of Instagram, mm. as far as we can as we can uh, ascertain. And um, uh, and it doesn't mean, of course, that nobody goes there, but it means that nobody wants to publicly associate themselves with those places through through tagging and so on, because. Our argument is because there's basically no status benefit, no surplus status that you're going to generate by saying, look at me, I'm at uh, Café Insulinde, for instance, which is one of these uh, brown bars. Nobody would tag themselves there, but they do tag themselves at uh, Café Basquiat, which is just right around the corner over uh, a lot. So that's, that's kind of the, if you get really to the street level, uh, you can see very, very clearly that certain kinds of establishments um, that also cater to cater to certain kind of demographics tend to be much more visible, tend to do a lot better, and tend to um, generate a lot, a lot more publicity and visibility for themselves than others. And mm. of course, again, disentangling causality is, is impossible. But uh, one of the uh, since we see this over and over and over again, also in other cities that we've looked at and. And, and through through interviews that we've done, we're not just sitting at our desks. There is kind of the the, the argument to be made that essentially, to, to put it bluntly, Instagram is complicit in gentrification. Right, right. And and one one of the things that um, you know, particularly for a city like Amsterdam that has um, such a high amount of visitors, you know, the heat map and the things you're talking about, I I could see from. Um, from the perspective of a local resident um, in certain circles to be thankful that places aren't being represented because, you know, visitors like me wouldn't show up and, you know, be taking pictures of a, a bunch of things. But what, what are, what do you think are the, some of the implications of what, uh, uh, of what you've observed for Amsterdam and other, other cities in terms of how they're represented and, gentrification and any other any other number of Im implications what, what do you see are the most important ones from your research today yeah um 
Well, just to, just to be clear, <clears throat> I know this wasn't what you were claiming, but but our, our research does focus uh, on on the locals, or at least on people that are here longer term and not not short term visitors. So the the fact that things are so concentrated in the center of the city here in terms of Instagram activity, that's driven by locals. And if we were to take into consideration short term visitors who we've whom we filtered out, mm-hmm. then that would of course be mm-hmm. be even more intense intensely the case. Um, but um, but I think you're absolutely right that that short-term visitors that come to Amsterdam, and we know this from interviews that we've done, uh, many, many people uh, take basically Instagram as their hmm. tour guide, and they will start following people in the city ahead of time before visiting to figure out, okay, what are the spots, what are the neighborhoods that you want to go to, and and that's where the place tags play a big role for people. You, you know, you can tap on the name of the of the uh, of the location. And then um, and right. I see who else has been tagging there, where have they gone to. And that's that's uh, that's how people often kind of scout locations that they want to go to before visiting somewhere. And that's where, of course, there's a kind of feedback process where people go to places that are already visible and then they in turn picture <laughs> the places that they go to, which leads to they're, they're becoming more visible. So there's a kind of recursive process there of of. Um, Raising the raising visibility and status of some places, where whereas others um, stay out, stay outside of this process. Now, um, it's uh, it was just announced uh, maybe about two weeks ago that this I Amsterdam, Amsterdam sculpture by the by the uh, Rijksmuseum is go- probably mm-hmm. going to be removed uh, soon, and that's really part of uh, dispersal efforts essentially by the by the municipality to say we don't want uh, we don't want people to be so, uh, especially short-term visitors, to be so concentrated in just right. one spot in the city because it leads to leads to congestion. And of course, yeah, I mean, as somebody who lives not in the center, I'm in a way I can be thankful that tourists tend to be concentrated in the center. But there are, of course, people that live in the center. I mean, Amsterdam is a, is a city famously where uh, it is possible for everyday people to to live also in the center because mm-hmm. of social housing and so on. And they they are not too pleased with the fact that you know every day they have they have the sound the noise of rolling suitcases from the Airbnb visitors and and uh, and the you know the stag parties and 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 all those things going on. And one of the ways the city is trying to deal with that is, of course, they don't want less tourists to come because that's been been pretty good for the city uh, in terms of bringing in money. But uh, they want to disperse it more. So a lot of the newer Newer marketing materials that you see, they emphasize um, the outer neighborhoods and basically mm-hmm. leave a blank in the middle. So there's the, the 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 city marketing campaign has these new maps that show, um, uh, for example, the the waterfront in Amsterdam Nord and uh, and and the east the eastern neighborhoods. And basically all the kind of surrounding residential neighborhoods suggesting very strongly to people to go there and not just not just be in the be in the center. So that's one uh, one uh, one way of, of responding to this is to basically try to uh, break up these hotspots and try to say, you know, there's more going on that, that than meets the eye, um, mm-hmm. literally. Um, and well, another um, another implication i think that we could we find some evidence for is that there's really a kind of globally standardized aesthetic that's spreading through not just instagram but especially also transported by that it's um, 
uh, I know there's a writer who's called this uh, the the airspace aesthetic. I think uh, it's a kind of aesthetic that's um, that's you know kind of cute and unoffensive, and that easily translates and and uh, and and kind of frequent travelers tend to uh, appreciate it and embrace it. And um, and so you can see that coffee places and restaurants and so on that are that are pretty much relying on Instagram to be their marketing channel. They are really introducing certain kinds of design highlight, uh, design touches and so on in, 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 a, in hopes of attracting um, Instagrammers that then promote their places for them. Hmm. And, uh, and that really kind of, there you can see how this feedback process I was talking about is not just about visibility, but, but actually physically changes the, the space of the city. So the design of certain right. places, right. Uh, starts to be shaped by this by this aesthetic that's transported in this way, um, and so yeah, in a, in a sense, there's a kind of uh, implication also of the of the production of space and of of, of design and so on in um, in in these digital mediation uh, practices and networks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just as you're describing that, I can I can almost uh, visualize in my head some of those elements, you know, white hexagonal tiles and, mm-hmm. and things that, yeah, thinking about it, I can, I can see that and what I, um, and I, I've noticed it more and more frequently um, in terms of my travels of, of interior spaces particularly, but I, w- I would imagine that if, if people are conscious of that, they want to match that, but then be just, you know, just a few degrees off to little, show that you're new and different. A little inflection is always, yeah. yeah. I mean, also local inflections, you know, Amsterdam famously has, um, has kind of typo- a, a, a style of typography and, and kinds of signs that are used. So you see, right. You see newer coffee places. They they have the millennial pink, as it's called, uh, which seems to be attracting people to take a lot of pictures and and a lot of you know the exposed brick and the, the untreated wood and all those kinds of design touches. But then also a little something that's a little bit more local um, mm-hmm. thrown into the mix. I mean that's 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 certainly the case. So it's not a total standardization, but it is always this tension between yeah conformity and distinction. So going along with, with the dominant um, aesthetic, but then also doing things just slightly different, like a, a little diacritic mm. here, a little, a little something there. Yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah. Certainly. Well, and, I, and I just, um, just yesterday, I, I saw a post from Mike Lydon, who, uh, who's a principal with Street Plans Collaborative. He's, he's, he's a previous guest we've had on the podcast. Uh, and so he, their offices are in, in the Dumbo area in Brooklyn. And, uh, he said they've been, they've been there for almost nine years. And he said, but only in the last two to three, the internet has made a re, he calls it a real thing of the Washington Street, Manhattan Bridge, Empire State Building view axis. And he, he has a video out from his office and it's packed with people. Mm. And you could tell that they're trying to capture that shot. Uh, and it shows this car awkwardly trying to move through that. Um, and he's actually using this as a case to rethink, uh, you know, a, a, another example of, you know, what he does professionally all the time is make spaces for people and not cars. So I thought it was an interesting intersection of, um, you know, they're, they're like, like any, like anything in life, there's, there's positive, uh, aspects and negative aspects. And he's, he's looking to leverage that, uh, the, the, the people are Instagramming that view shed because it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. I've been down there um, to, to say, well, let's make some more space for people to be able to do that safely. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a great example. Um, yeah, and and it's in a way um, there is something about. I mean, the situation is. I, I was. I often wonder um, what would they say about Instagram. Like, um, I mean, in the the Instagram motto is capture and share the world's uh, moments, or at least it used to be. Mm. And and the mm -hmm. idea of the moment or the situation was something that was really important to the situationists that you wanted to kind of elevate and also aesthetically elevate these, you know, the quotidian everyday life and, and somehow disrupt normal routines. And in a, in a, in a strange way, uh, these social media practices do something like that. They, they, they're almost like, um, situationist interventions into urban space, but of course, in a very corporate and, and, um, and, 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 all, and conformist way, generally speaking. So there's, right. um, but there is of course a moment to these, to these practices that, that, that is really kind of elevating everyday life and, and, um, and, and adding more beauty to people's lives, I think. And I think that's something that's, that's great, you know, that shouldn't be, mm -hmm. shouldn't be discounted. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was also the example uh, from Canada. In fact, I, I remember somebody sent it to me, I think uh, close to Toronto, there was a, there was a flower, um, a sunflower patch. I don't know if you read about this at the time. I think mm -mm. Guardian reported on no. it. And so many Instagrammers went to this um, sunflower patch to have to take their picture there that all basically the whole patch was just destroyed. Growing season is in full swing for sunflower crops and the beautiful plants are attracting growing crowds. The open fields have become a hot spot for selfies. There are a group of people here uh, taking pictures of themselves amongst the sunflower. And uh, yeah, there's uh, recently a, a writer compared these yeah, these emerging Instagram hotspots to, to almost kind of pilgrimage places because there's kind of a, a process of migration starting to go to certain places. Yeah, interesting. In homage in the, in the, in the, in the, in the form of taking, taking pictures, oftentimes, yeah, very much the same picture over and over again. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that idea of moments, there's a, there's a pretty, you, you maybe couldn't tell on, uh, on an Instagram post, but the origin or the intent behind the moments, uh, or maybe the origin is more accurate, uh, between organic and manufactured, right? So mm -hmm. if you were walking down the street in Dumbo and happened to see that view shed, your individual experience would be very different than if, you know, you took a couple of subway connections to get there to take that picture mm -hmm, sure. in just in terms of the experience of navigating the city. So that's an interesting, uh, you know, in the sunflower example is, is it, you know, if that, that was probably stumbled ac across by a few people. Right. And then it became this pilgrimage, like you say, which is the, the intent and the experience of those folks would be very different. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. And uh, in the case of Amsterdam, and I'm sure many other cities, um, the, the, uh, the city marketing, actually very um i mean people this is a well-known process i guess it's uh, i'm not stumbling on anything new here but um there is a there is a website on on the i amsterdam website that's something like the you know the 15 greatest uh instagram spots to go to in the city so uh, <laughs> and uh, and notably they, most of them are outside of the center so this is again part of this kind of dispersal strategy um you can see right. that work there uh, uh -huh. Yeah, but it's it's definitely, you know, it's not it's it's something that that people have become well aware of, and 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 uh, it's it's strategically they're strategically taking it into consideration that 
there there are these these effects of of building up building up um, hype and attention and buzz around places through these kinds mm-hmm. of circuits. Mm-hmm. Have Have you experienced or, or heard or researched any examples of? Um, particular design interventions, I guess at an, at an urban level rather than interior design where people are doing things intentionally. You know, I can think of something like public art, for example, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe an artist or, or a municipality says we want this kind of public art because that really attracts people. Have you seen any evidence of that? Um, somebody who, who contacted me was asking me, have you noticed um, angel wings being painted on the side of buildings uh, around the world? And I, and I hadn't until then, but of course, uh, you know, it's like one of those things yeah. somebody points it out to you and I do yeah. look at a lot of see it everywhere. Then. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I realized like, oh yeah. And she, she had, uh, I, I forget the origin story exactly, but it was one restaurant in LA or something that had started this. And then, you know, it's very simple to draw angel wings somewhere. And then of course people can stand in front right. of them. Um, yeah. Certain kinds of murals, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think I have uh, any kind of evidence to, to show that, you know, somebody commissioned a certain kind of mural because they right. kn- knew that, but, but, uh, in, in the pipe neighborhood here in Amsterdam, there's a mural that's, that just says, wake me up when I'm famous. And then there's a park bench right in front of it. So it really invites you to just lay down on that park bench and have your friends take a picture of you. Mm-hmm. And people do a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, and those kinds of things, um, other than that, yeah, I mean, there's a in, in Hong Kong, there's a whole pier that, that where so many people take pictures because you can pick you can take a picture of yourself on the skyline that it's now actually known as Instagram Pier. <laughs> oh, is that right? I wonder if there's, <laughs> if there's more examples like that. I know uh, yeah. there's a sociologist in Toronto who's studying um, one of the newer parks there also under this, um, I forget what the park is called, also under this aspect of, of how... Um, how it was basically designed uh, with with the photographic lens in in mind. And oh, interesting! So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's something that I'm that I'm trying to uh, get a more systematic picture of. But it's sure. but it's, it's always tough to kind of disentangle. You know, was this <laughs> is this something that was strategic? Yeah. And so we uh, we we've, we've started doing some interviews with people, for example, in cultural institutions and um, and in marketing agencies and so on who do see a little bit more of the strategic considerations behind, behind certain kinds of design decisions. And there is very strong evidence to suggest that, yeah, people are very, very much aware of, of these kinds of feedback processes and so on. Um, mm-hmm. And it's starting to inform yeah. thinking and design and on things the, like that. Yeah. On the other hand, there's also um, from, from, uh, for example, a recent interview I did with a, with a restaurant owner, there's also the, the kind of, other aspect, which is not the, the feedback loop, which which is kind of from the point of view of those who benefit a kind of virtuous cycle of, of getting, gaining visibility. But there's also the aspect of kind of people living in, in, in parallel worlds. So so if you have a have a cafe that has these design touches where people want to take pictures of themselves all the time, then they're they're not really present for the space of the cafe, but they're present for whatever imagined audience that they're taking a picture for. And so they kind of turn the public space of the cafe into the backstage of their mediated performances. And it's it's a really kind of uncivil way, if you will, to inhabit public space to, uh, you know, there's a reason why we comport ourselves in certain kinds of ways when we're in public space, because it's kind of the, the civil thing to do. And if mm. people 
aren't really there for the public space and for the public that's there, but for a distant public, then they are, um, then they, then they really behave in kind of annoying ways. You know, they stand in place <laughs> yeah. and they, and, and so some, some, some uh, restaurant owners and so on, they actually try to discourage people, you know, going to that <laughs> parallel world, if you will. Yeah. They, they want people to be present um, and not worry about taking pictures of their, of their food and, and, and of the walls and so on. So there's, it can also work the other way, basically is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. People can decide, actually, we don't want people, um, you know, uh, perform, performing all the time for a distant audience. We would like them to just take it easy for a minute and actually live in the moment and not just perform living in the moment for, for yep. their followers. So that's, yeah. Um, yeah, that's another another side to this, I think. For sure. So so interesting. So many different avenues you can go down and every single one of them has, you know, a, a, a light side and a dark side, yeah, so to well, speak. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not, um, I don't know, I think I'm probably a little bit more positive about Instagram now after all these years of researching it than I was starting off. I'm not, oh, never, okay. I never yeah. was, did really get into Instagram. Of course, I've had it installed on my phone and have, have had lots of accounts, but I'm, I'm just not good enough at spotting pictures and that <laughs> in a way that they don't look totally crap. Um, so, um, so I never really got into it, but, um, but there is, there is something I think to the way that you, um, that you train your eye, that you, that you look at the world that, that can be, can be quite, can be quite nice. Um, mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to commodify the world or, 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 um, you know, turn it into to turn it into some kind of status symbol. Um, it can also just be, you know, quite innocent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And and it, it it's a uh, you know, I think I think that that's you know certainly when I've um, you know pre Instagram days when I would travel with the intention of you know taking some cool urban photos. You know, mm. I I I looked at the city a little bit differently than I was just strolling mm. along but i guess there's that threshold of you know back to back to moments are they organic or genuine whereas you know there's that portrayal of your life or who you are or whatever that can get into uh, you know everything's perfect which is you know a little bit dishonest i think in in the paper i read of yours that uh, you know people are portraying are providing evidence that they're happy, healthy, and hip yes, <laughs> and, and every, everything's wonderful. So that's uh, yeah, kind of that, I guess, like, it's almost like a threshold concept of, of, uh, you know, being able to look at things positively or look for interesting things, but then the, the narrative you tell about yourself to the world, uh, can, can be, uh, a bit glossy. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that, and that in turn can lead to, to can lead to anxiety. I mean, a lot of, I think mm -hmm. it's a it's a big preoccupation, especially for people that are that whose whose existence on social media is very intense. How how they self represent and what kind of image they project becomes a big a big consideration. So on the one and everybody we talk to is basically um, quite aware of the fact that yes, what what's in my Instagram feed is much nicer than what my life actually is like. And yes, maybe I should be a little bit more authentic. And 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 so there's. There are again new anxieties that are that are being um, uh, that are being generated through this mm -hmm. that, that people should then then try to negotiate in different kinds of ways. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was just uh, we're we're now at the the time of year where it gets darker early, and so uh, I've been out for a walk for the last number of of evenings, and you know with that you can kind of you know 
have a peek into people's homes and it just reminds you that <laughs> not a single person in this world's home looks like an Instagram poster, a design magazine. Yeah. <laughs> There's crap all over the place and right. <laughs> real life versus what's portrayed. Yeah. Right. Um, so just one last, last, uh, second, last question I want to ask is, is, you know, having a professionally scanned Instagram for years now. Um, do you, do you have any, any thoughts or recommendations for, um, folks out there that might be users of Instagram and how they navigate a city? Um, well, since I just, um, uh, really exposed myself as a kind of hypocrite, I, uh, <laughs> really bad at Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to, uh, to, to give any, any kind of advice, but let me think. I mean, um, <laughs> I think um, I think I think one one um, one thing that I've learned from kind of the more interesting um, people that I've interviewed, uh, the, the, or the the people that have done more interesting stuff with Instagram that I've interviewed, is that um, is that is that you have to kind of make an effort to uh, expand your aesthetic in in a way. So um, if you mm -hmm. only ever follow the people that are very similar to you and do the same kind of stuff as you and so on, then you're, you know, then you're just going to keep seeing the same kinds of images repeated over and over again. So there, you have to kind of make an effort um, to try to find people that whose, whose aesthetic choices and, and, and consumer choices and, and, and life situation and so on is, is, is different. Um, so, I don't know. How about how about this? If if I'm going to go into the take the role as, as somebody giving advice, uh, here's a task: unfollow five people, and instead follow five people that are that are as different from you as you can imagine. Uh, uh, whether they they live in a completely different place and have a different completely different uh, uh, profession, but maybe also just um, have very different things that they like to picture. You know, uh, follow somebody who. Um, is into um, modest fashion from Indonesia, for instance, as, as an example of somebody that's a, of a phenomenon I've come across that's huge. Uh, mm. People showing modest fashion. Um, follow somebody who's, uh, I don't know, um, showing the clutter in their house. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something along those lines. And I think, I think that'll be an, that would be an interesting experience. Um, uh, for, especially for heavy Instagram users to try to kind of int introduce a little dissonance, I guess, into the uh -huh. very smooth experience that you get from seeing always the, you know, the nice architectural highlights and the uncluttered spaces and the, and the, the, the healthy hip and, and uh, happy images that, that generally confront us. So great. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic advice. I love that. Um, okay. In the next episode, how it went. <laughs> It's, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, okay. So the last question we have uh, for all our guests is, um, can you uh, share a city that you love and why you love it? Well, that's, that's easy. I love New York. I, li yeah. I lived in New York for about eight years when I was in grad school. Uh, I lived in Crown Heights, Brooklyn and in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. I, uh, I love the streets I lived on. I love walking up and down Nostrand Avenue. Um, I love riding the A train. I love um, walking into Fort Greene, going into the park. And uh, I also love uh, the history that's everywhere. And I especially love the, um, the way that you can um, kind of almost sense as you're walking around Manhattan and 
also Brooklyn and, and other other parts of the city, the the presence of different kinds of cultural scenes and and um, you know you can almost sense like oh Bob Dylan used to play here and this is where Patti Smith got her start and uh, this is where CBGBs used to be and where where a lot of great bands uh, um, you know started to change music and this is where hip hop uh, emerged and that uh, that is incredible and it's. Uh, Makes me miss New York almost every day. Mm. <laughs> okay, fantastic. I think uh, I think you're actually the first one that's uh, that's mentioned New York. the 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 runaway leader right now is Barcelona. Okay. <laughs> I, I actually have never been, and I know that makes, ah. puts me in a in an ever smaller minority. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you uh, you know you can you can see all of, all of the highlights through Instagram, of course. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The research John and his team has conducted shows how these evolving technologies can and are influencing how we think about and move around and build spaces in our cities. The next time you're on your Instagram feed, give some thought not only to what you're seeing, but what you're not seeing and how that differs from the reality of your own community. If you have any insights or aha moments, let us know on our social feeds. If you're interested in John's research, his paper, Reassembling the City Through Instagram, is attached on our show notes. 360 Degree City is created by our team at Intelligent Futures. To learn more about the work we do, go to intelligentfutures.ca. I'm John Lewis. Thanks for stopping by.